This episode today is another request from our patrons and it involves another mishap. And thankfully, this mishap didn't result in any fatalities, just a loss of a, a shit ton of money. <laughs> um, and some grass in a field. And some grass. <laughs> so this one is concerning a KC-10 uh, refueling aircraft. On November 1st, 2016 at 1546 Zulu, a U.S. Air Force KC-10 Alpha Extender <clears throat> was assigned, was doing a training mission with two, with a flight of F-15s and a C-17. The scheduled profile was a formation flight departing from an Air Force base in California, uh, refueling for approximately one hour with the F-15s and then about an hour hour and 15 minutes with the C-17. The missup crew or the crew assigned to the aircraft was from another squadron in excuse me, in an Air Force base in California. At 1632 Zulu, the air crew prepared for an aerial refueling and the boom operator lowered the aerial refueling boom, which is about 181 feet. Immediately after lowering the boom, it began to move erratically, uh, oscillating to the aircraft's right and left in a U-shaped pattern well outside of its designated uh, operational and structure limits. After oscillating for approximately two minutes, the boom hoist cable broke. And approximately two minutes later, the gimbal separated from the A-frame gimbal mounts, but remained connected to the fuselage by hydraulic and electronic lines. At 17.05 uh, Zulu, the boom completely separated from the aircraft and fell in an open field in Idaho. (laughs) Uh, There were no injuries or fatalities reported with any portion of the mishap. And after the boom separated, the aircraft landed in Idaho in an Air Force base in Idaho without incident the total monetary value of government loss was six million five hundred twenty nine thousand eight hundred and forty five dollars and seventy one cents <laughs> Jesus wow. um, the reported before we get into all the what have you's with this accident uh, they the reported cause was two fact it was twofold the first cause was the miss uh, of the mishap was a sheared dual rotary voltage transducer uh, rotary crank. Uh, there were it was it was sheared is what they said. The rotary crank was sheared with continuous inaccurate roll position indications. As a result, the boom control unit. Compensated with lateral movement commands in both directions, driving the boom beyond its operational limits. And the second cause was related to the first with the boom, the boom operator's failure to disable the the boom control unit. This would have neutralized the boom's flight control surfaces and prevented the boom from departing the aircraft. Can you imagine being the boom operator sitting there and all of a sudden, okay, I think I got it. And all of a sudden it just snaps and just start watching it fall to the earth. And you're like, oh boy. (laughs) <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> I mean, I, I've I've had a semi ocean moment like that, but nowhere as as crazy as a hundred eighty one foot uh, fuel boom. Um, this was on a Hue. This was on a Huey, and we forgot to put the the door stop, the door hinge stops on the plane. So we went to open the door, and it freaking flung straight back. And thank God we caught the the handle in time. But when 
when we caught the handle, we noticed it it uh it slid further than it's supposed to, and then that's when we looked outside. We're like, oh shit, there, where's the door hinge stops? And so we just like, like, like fisty fucked it back into place, and then just like, okay, do not open this door, <laughs> like for any reason whatsoever. But it, imagine like if we didn't catch the door when it did that, it would have just flung right off, and who knows where it would have went. Like, oh. Cartwheeled into oblivion. <laughs> oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, going back to the operator, imagine that, right? Like you're thinking days going normal. We're on our refueling off. Then it starts doing this U-shaped pattern. Like it's not supposed to do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, and then shoo. Then the boom just yeets itself from the <laughs> aircraft and falls towards the earth. Imagine, imagine that conversation, right? You're the boot. You're one of the air crew, maybe not the boom operator, or maybe you are. And you see that thing just, just, uh, lawn dart itself out of the aircraft yeah you're sitting um, in the back and you're calling up to the cockpit hey uh we're gonna go ahead and want an rtb now <laughs> why what's like, going on the the boom has separated itself from the aircraft and what now uh the boom <laughs> has separated itself from the aircraft and is now hurtling towards earth as a javelin yeah that, that <laughs> might have been like say what now i was like and it, it, it's one of those like you you kind of have to do like this uh, sm- this smart aleck uh, rich person joke like the boom has has air quote been fed up with our shit and took itself home. <laughs> yeah, the boom has refused to do any more work and has <laughs> departed itself from the aircraft. <laughs> I mean, now the only thing making light out of the situation because nobody was hurt. And it just fell into an empty field in Idaho. The only thing that would have made it better is that there's a picture of it here, right? And it's just laying flat on the ground uh, in this field. Uh, the only thing that would have made it better is if it would have been stuck nozzle first, just like a lawn dart straight out of the ground. That's, that right. would have been the only thing that would have made it better. Right. And then and again, we're making fun of this because nothing, nobody got hurt. The only thing that got hurt was the boom itself and the pieces that mounted the boom to the plane. That's about it. No injuries, no no fatalities, no no other accidents whatsoever besides the boom departing in the aircraft, which in itself is holy shit that was crazy. But imagine if someone actually did get hurt, then we'd be having a whole different story. Like someone it, it landed like nozzle first on someone's car, or it took out a herd of somebody's livestock or some shit. Like I'd imagine there'd be a lot of uh press battles if something like that happened yeah thankfully the farmer wasn't out there working in his field or whatever there's no livestock injured or killed or whatever right so we'll, we'll kind of go <laughs> in a little bit to the causes right with like the we'll, we'll start first with like the maintenance of this thing because something like that it doesn't just happen by accident it had to have worked its way over time especially for the amount of oscillating this thing was doing where it said it was going past its operational limits in a U-shaped pattern. Like, it's not supposed to do that. And it, it almost never, almost never uh, an incident like that happens. And it's the first time. Usually it's like working its way over time. And it's kind of unnoticeable at first. And then, then it starts to get really noticeable. And then by the time it like, you kind of catch on like, yo, it's not supposed to do that. And then that's when it yeets itself off the back end. So, yeah, I mean, just going over the maintenance here, right, <clears throat> has a list of unscheduled maintenance, and 
you know, this is, it seems that this boom and its issues seem to be uh, a trend going on here starting. Uh, what day was the incident? Uh, the incident was on in November, November 1st, actually. So, yeah, so this, this started uh, almost a month ahead of time. Uh, the issues with the boom, just looking at the, the maintenance write-ups they had, you know, boom roll gauge shows eight degrees right when boom is centered at zero. Um, boom was about four to five degrees left of the roll, uh, roll gauge was showing um, 11 to 12 degrees to the right. Let's see what's the next one. Uh, during the boom was lowered, associated pan. Oh, no, that just shows with their, their follow on checks that they did to on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, messing with the gimbal assembly. Took the took the boom assembly out, uh, adjusted the DRVT, mm-hmm. and you know did the associated ops checks. But yeah, it's been <clears throat> there's several write ups um, leading up to this, mm-hmm. leading up to the the event. So sounds like it just it was working itself out of tolerance the for about a month prior. Yep. And uh, this is one like this happened a day earlier, actually two days earlier on October 30th. It says during boom lowering, the boom flew to five degrees with no input by the operator. Small corrections were made to align the boom. The boom then flew uncommanded to 32 degrees or greater. Right structural limit broke it with no command inputs made. So the two days before the flight, they started having issue with this boom where it just like flew all the way to the right on its own. No commands, no nothing. And yeah, and yeah, and then they go, and then they the discrepancy was worked, and then they and then they performed their ops checks, uh, lowered boom, visually checked all surfaces, did sensor readouts, uh, hooked up the tester, ran sensor readout tests, ran pre-flight and maintenance tests, uh, found DRVT, uh, cannon plugs on visual inspection, cannon plugs were reset or retorqued, and discrepancy was closed. And then, and then, on the day of incident, or the day the day it departed for its flight, <clears throat> it says boom out control was flight shortly after it was deployed. Dual rotor fail, elevation fail, uh, fail lights, different malfunctions indicated throughout a period. Boom was uncontrollable. Boom appeared to detach from gimbal and eventually separate from aircraft. That's the day of incident. So. Obviously, we're going to impound this thing because we're seeing a, a long trend of like, why the hell is this thing not working as it should? And again, this is a 181 foot boom from a KC-10. So it may, like 181 feet doesn't seem that long for other aircraft. But if but picture like this long gasoline pipe, that's more or less what it is. That's 181 feet and it's supposed to pump uh, ga- uh, fuel into other aircraft mid-flight. So I can already tell you, like, I'm glad that they're, that the boom separated and no other plane got hit. But imagine, like, if we're about to hook up to a plane and it's oscillating all over the place and say an aircraft managed to hook up to it and it's doing the oscillation, like, just how much more damage could have possibly happened. You know what I mean? Or, or it's attached to a, a jet in tow fueling and then the boom separates right then and there. And then yeah. that jet's, you know, it's still stuck in that jet. And then what adverse 
like you said, what adverse things could have happened to other jet? Does the boom disintegrate? Does it just stay? You know, what's the what's the in-flight emergency for when that happens? <clears throat> and any pilots out there who fly fast movers, what are your emergency protocol procedures for a boom that separates from the tanker and is stuck into your aircraft you're flying? That's that's something you don't hear about too often, right? There's always always some sort of contingency plan for in-flight emergencies or whatever else, but you don't really hear about a boom separating from a tanker and remaining stuck into the aircraft being fueled. Yeah. I, I did. Yeah. I, if there was ever an incident like that, I, I would love to know and just, or if, if there's any sort of plan for something like that to happen, you know, or maybe like the, from the nozzle end, it's more fragile from the, I would assume it wasn't, it isn't. I mean, but maybe like if should something like that separate the, the nozzles or whatever would fracture. So it doesn't take the plane with it. Yeah, is there shear shear pins, shear bolts? I mean, it seems like there is something like that. So if you know, planes and the plane being fueled makes an adverse move, that boom will just separate and drop. But I mean the boom's pretty robust because you saw the pictures. It was almost in one solid piece yeah. laying on the ground after it hit the ground. So Right. Now, um, now and now everybody, this is a telescoping boom too, right? So it's not just like 181 feet and they just kind of wheel it out. <laughs> on the back end of the plane, right? This kind of like extends its way out to 181 feet. But even so, at that point, it becomes a solid piece almost. And during normal operations and whatnot, when aircraft are flying, the boom gets lowered. You have a person with a either manually controls the boom or it has like this automatic system that kind of takes inputs from the outside world to kind of compensate for the load that that's going on against the boom. But either way, you're either controlling this so you have like a control stick to kind of keep this within relatively s- stable motion so that planes can actually hook up to it. And you have this DRVT that's supposed to assist with this notion. Either way, either be manual or automatic, it's all these inputs are coming from this rotary crank and then the control unit itself to keep this thing relatively stable. Now, it was saying like the the crank on this thing sheared so... I mean, anyone who's who's any any kind of mechanical inclination, when something shears, all your available stops to keep this thing from just swinging wildly goes out the door, or any type of gear that shears, whatever power available you would get from that gear is all but gone. So now you're just letting nature do whatever it wants to whatever that gear is supposed to control. So another thing, reading through this accident report, you know, six and I have harped on. Uh, your documentation and being as accurate as you can be. And we've mentioned several times when an investigation happens, I mean, they're going to dig through everything and they found where an a check was accomplished um, on the 20th of October, but was mislabeled as a more extensive inspection called a C check. Mm. So, you know, right there, somebody is going to go, who's ever doing the investigation says, Oh, so somebody looks at this and says, you did a C check that where you would have looked at the boom and its operation and whatever else, but you actually did an A check, which would not have incorporated the boom operational checkouts. So, you know, you could have, you could have caught this had you done, I don't know if you had done the more extensive check, you know what I mean? Yep. Um, and then again, and with that, right as well, like the, the section responsible for doing the checks, none of their, None of their turnovers, none of their logs, none of their tasks references the t- their procedures 
for that specific uh, inspection or for that specific task. So that goes on again to what we've been harping on is not just making sure the documentation is correct, but also make sure you're citing these things correctly. Because again, with the inspections at work, they're going to be tearing these things apart. They're going to figure out who, what, when, where, and why. And you might be a part of the cause as to why this thing wasn't uh, accomplished correctly. Now, we've they've boiled down the causes to just two things, but that could have easily been four, five, six. And, that, and it's all because your documentation didn't reflect what you actually did to the plane or it didn't reflect reflect correctly to what you did. Yeah, they could have called it negligence. Yeah, easily. Easily. Even like yeah. when MVP said and, and, and maybe six you'd be you know be right. It might have come down to adding more root causes had uh injury um to to or loss of life occurred, right? Yes. That, um, that- so so that, being that it fell on an empty field might go back to, okay, well, this is the two reasons why. But if you had killed a farmer or cattle or something else, it might have been, oh, yeah, it's, negligence was involved. Right. And like, like any incident or any accident, you're going to do, they're going to run through the whole gamut, regardless um, of their end injuries. They're going to start doing toxicology screens on all the crew that were involved, both the air crew and the ground. They're going to impound everything that was used for that. Uh, for that uh, plane when that incident occurred or for that day that incident occurred to include the fuel trucks that fueled it yeah and so imagine like even though no one got hurt we're still going to do a talk screen on you and imagine like if you just so happen to have some kind of uh, medicine or some kind of pill or yeah you, you just get benadryl in your system and not the non-drowsy kind yeah, or or yeah. even like you uh you took cough syrup and it and it popped you for alcohol, right? It's it, it'll get that insane, and they're like, oh, so you were drunk at work? Like, no, I just took cough syrup. Like, yeah, but look look here, right? It says a lot. Like, I took more than the recommended dose. I'm sorry, right? Yeah, but it is that level of explanation you would have to give whenever an, an investigation like this happened, and this is when no one got hurt. Imagine when someone did. They'll start pulling all kinds of stuff. They'll start digging into your record. They'll start digging into your psychological health or your 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 mental profile, all kinds of craziness because they want to rule out all the possibilities that could have went into this incident. Like, they'll, they'll, we've said this in a previous episode where like, they'll start questioning, like, what was your, your life outside of work, uh, work like? Fuck, I don't know. Like, what's that got to do with anything? Oh, it has a lot, right? It's funny how, like, nobody uh, considers like, the, the impacts of life outside of work until after an incident happens. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then uh, in this report, it actually goes into a little bit about that. Like, what were the human factors that went into this uh, incident or this uh, mishap? Which is kind of wild, again, because no one got hurt. But yet, here we are. We're still trying to rule out, like, what could have been the human factors that led up to this, right? And uh, it says here with this analysis, uh, they boil it down to, let's see, wh- uh, one, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, about eight, eight or so human factors. Uh, the biggest one was a checklist error. Uh, when an individual makes a checklist error um, or fails to run an appropriate checklist that results in an unsafe situation, the boom operator, for instance, ran the inappropriate checklist for the situation 
did not formally document or sign off the TO steps he had completed while installing the new gimbal and DRVT assembly. And on the following shift, maintenance and the maintenance crews involved failed to perform the TO step of lowering and moving the boom to test that the DRVT had been properly installed. So again, going into the documentation piece. So not just uh, documenting it correctly, but using the right one, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there, there's that already. We're already highlighting one of the big features, which MVP and I have been harping. And this is like highlight number one, like hey, they use the wrong TO or they use the wrong checklist. Wow. Yep. We just received a fail uh, from a customer the other day uh, for wrong uh, reference, TO reference open. Yeah. And, and it, it, if there's anything that's, that, that this one is really highlighting to us, you got to make sure you're using the right shit and you're documenting it correctly. Because when, you're, when your ass is in the sling, that's the first thing they're going to pull. And then when they find that one, if that first thing is already checkbox wrong, or checkbox no, they're going to start digging into a whole lot more stuff. Mm-hmm. And they just may do it just to rattle your cage and have you do like this unwarrant, this unsolicited confession. <clears throat> uh, the second one for human factors was uh, task misprioritization. Uh, individuals fail to recognize based on accepted prioritization techniques, the task needed to manage the immediate situation. The boom operator prioritized raising the boom using normal procedures before addressing the erratic flight controls. Now, I can kind of get it because for the boom operator, who knows? Like, I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing. Like, or he's he's trying to run through the procedures, but he's not noticing the the whole U shape motion of this thing. Like, ooh, right? Mm-hmm. And for all you know, he did he he's unaware he or she is unaware of the emergency procedures for this, right? Or maybe there isn't any. Like, there's no, maybe there wasn't any emergency procedures. Like, I don't know what the fuck to do. Yeah, so that's something then, uh, you know, coming out of the investigation. Okay, we've identified our emergency procedures are obviously lacking. Yeah. Uh, Another one for the human factors is uh, delayed necessary action. When individual selects a course of action, but elects to delay execution and the delay leads to an unsafe situation. The boom operator delayed step three of the flight controls do not respond to commands inputs uh, checklist, which directs it to turn the flight turn off the flight control switch. So this this kind of goes into I think the panic mode, right? When someone like doesn't do the action, like they know they should, but their brain isn't cat or their body isn't catching up with their brain. So like I should do this, but I can't can't do it right now, right? Mm-hmm. Or like in our case, right? Like say a, a ground, an engine fire on the ground. We see it on fire and our brain says, holy fuck, put the fire out. But the rest of you hasn't, it hasn't registered yet that this engine's on fire. So like, oh shit. <laughs> and what, what, what counteracts this, especially for us is training, right? You see fire, oh yep. fuck, right? It, it turns into muscle memory before your brain clicks in, right? And this kind of goes into what we've also been saying is we got to ensure that our training is up to date. And if there's something that needs to be rehearsed, we need to rehearse it because it's a very bad time to figure out what to do in an emergency situation when it's already happening. Yeah. So they're saying like for the next part, technical procedural knowledge, um, individuals adequately exposed to information, but did not absorb it. Lack of, 
knowledge implies no deficiency in training, uh, just lack of experience. So and that, that goes into the next one, which is uh, based off multiple Based off testimony of multiple maintenance members, the AIB identified an overall lack of experience regarding gimbal and yoke assembly installations. So the people who did the work on these, right? Because this was a repeat recur write-up. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, the maintenance members doing the job uh, were inexperienced. And it wasn't a lack of training. They just didn't have a lot of time uh, hands-on doing that job. Right. <laughs> And we've seen this sometime, from time to time too, right? Like say like guys coming out of AMP school, you're getting info dumped basically of all this information and you're, you're having a lot of controlled, either little to no controlled uh, examples of these, right? Or you got controlled examples, but they're very vague. And then here you go into a situation where like, okay, you're, you're in the now, you're in an airline, you're in a, on the lo- you're in, in a, a flight deck and situation happens your brain's not going to click on because you've never experienced a situation like this before, nor have you been briefed on the local procedures of how to do this. It's just kind of like checking the box, your train, get to work. Like, uh, fuck. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Or vice versa, right? You're so, you're bombarded with so much training. You don't know which one is which, uh, like, I'm trained on emergency procedures, but also have these local procedures and I have the OSHA <clears throat> procedures and hazmat procedures. Like, holy shit, which one do I listen to? Right. And they, and especially if they don't jive together, like which one is it? Damn it. Fuck. Uh, shit. <laughs> Pig mad. It is. <laughs> Fuck it. Yep. And now you're cleaning up fuel off the ground. Right. And then another, the big, another big one with the human factors was proficiency. Uh, when an individual is not proficient in a task, mission, or event, based off testimony of multiple maintenance members, the AIB identified an overall lack of experience regard. Oh, you actually said that regarding gimbal and assembly. Yeah, there were there were three things that they put in their kind of their human factors that all were in relation. But I think it was the three separate members who performed the maintenance on it. Right, mm-hmm. one guy was a you know had the training but didn't absorb any of it and not proficient with installing this component and this other guy was like, so all three members were just not proficient at doing the job. Right. And, and then it could very well be like, they're, they're just new kids or just new <clears throat> uh, technicians who they got tasked to do a job. They've never done much. Booms don't just go bad all the time. Right. Like how often are you, are you supposed to adjust something? Right. So, or you're adjusting a part that rarely goes bad. So like your experience level is going to be so much. And then, you're expected to just know everything like fuck i don't know <laughs> like right. we've only messed with this like once or twice and it was on in a in a lab or some shit and we we don't know what it looks like when it's in the plane or we don't know what's what it's supposed to uh go through when it's installed correctly right and sometimes your your technical procedures can be very lacking or they're very vague and like well, i don't fucking know right right and then sometimes, you know, even your more experienced guys, like it's been a, a long while since they've been on the line. And sometimes procedures have moved far along from what they were used to. Like, I could tell you, like some of the stuff that I've seen, like, what the hell is this? We got graphs now that can zoom in, zoom out, spin around, rotate up and down. Like, what the hell is this? <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, whereas before, like, it was just like just 2D mapping, like. Yeah. All right. Okay. Cool. I got it. Now, as far as like the 
the DRVT rotor crank when they were viewing photos of the of the face of the installed DR, DRVT they uh, they were the investigation was taking its incident the AIB identified the DRVT rotary bearing was, was to be misaligned aligned oh interesting to further investigate and confirm this observation the AIB compared the alignment of the mishap DRVT to another DRVT from supply and discovered that the mishap DRVT's rotor bearing was installed 120 degrees out of alignment. With this misalignment, the DRV, DRVT's internal mechanical stops would have been obstructed by the crank's normal operating range of motion. The DRVT comes fully assembled from the manufacturer and this condition was not identified during any prior maintenance. So, we've, we've already established this is a long drawn back problem. We can peel back the onion from this so, so much. And yeah, all the way back to the manufacturer assembling it. Yeah. So, for all we know, like, so here we are at the beginning. We're blaming the boom operator. We're blaming the technicians for not knowing. But for all we know, it's way back in manufacturing because they installed it backwards. Right? Yeah, they installed it 120 degrees out. Um, and then with the inexperience of the maintainers, right, if they had that DRVT system pulled apart several times during, you know, trying to fix it or whatever, but if they're not knowledgeable enough to know what to look for on that, on that, uh, the hell was it again? The rotary bearing. Yep. Um, they, they were not going to know, like, is the rotary bearing there? Yep. But maybe there's a uh, alignment, you know, marks on the bearing itself. But again, if you're not savvy enough with the system or nobody's explained to you like to, to look for that. Um, then you wouldn't know. But I guarantee you, from this day forward, every time they take that apart, those three individuals will be teaching every new person, hey, so since you're already in here, what you're going to want to do is look for this and this and make sure these two are aligned. Oh, yeah. man, that's good information. How did you know that? Well, let me tell you a story. <laughs> Sit down, kids. We, story time. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then the second one, right, with the, the boom operator failing to engage the flight control switch in a timely manner. So... It, this this more or less boils down to the improper checklist, right? Like they didn't they didn't follow the steps or they hesitated to follow the steps. Uh, for all we know, that could have been a sheer panic, like oh fuck, I just didn't know, right? Mm-hmm. Or, uh, or the shock set. Yeah, you froze. There it is. Like the shock set it, like oh fuck, and then by the time you overcame it, it's already yeeting itself out of the plane. <laughs> yep, it's already detached. Yep. So again, it, from our standpoint, this this highlights almost everything we've been saying really got to make sure you're using the right stuff you got to make sure you're documenting it correctly citing it correctly leave detailed turnovers of what you did so whoever picks up after this knows where you left off now yeah, there's a li- adequate training adequate training oh my god and, and then is it annual training is it biannual training or is it a one-time reading sign and then from there, you're just expected to do OJT, but do you have to revamp that now and make it at least an annual training to incorporate rotary bearing alignment? Right. And and again, like <clears throat> some of this stuff, like they just, I don't, I don't know how often these KC-10 stuff goes bad, but it's one of those like, well, these don't happen that often, but it's good to know. Like that could go into biannual, quarterly, semi-annual training, whichever the case may be, just so we're fully aware that if something like this does happen or we see it on the maintenance side of the house, like, okay, time the fuck out. We might need to do something about this, right? And mm-hmm. again, from the maintenance standpoint, for all we know, these guys, 
were the ones that did the work, they probably just never done it before or they didn't do enough of it before or they're just brand new kids and they just have no fucking clue. And it could also be the the technical manual that they were using was too vague. But from again from our from our mechanic backgrounds, like this stuff doesn't just go bad in one go. Something has to have ate away at it at some time. And from here, from the from what it says, like it could have came bad from the manufacturer was installed incorrectly or was misaligned. So you're already at you're already exceeding the stops and it's not even going through its full range of motion. And then you and then us, uh, the main hinder guys, not knowing this, we're force fucking this thing into its normal operation and end up shearing the pin or shearing the gears that make it work, which far exceeds what it should have done in the first place. And then, right. oh, by the way, we, we offset it 120 degrees from what it's supposed to be. Oh, that explains why we had to adjust it 90 plus some degrees to get it to inspect. Jesus, imagine that. <laughs> mm-hmm. But again, going, this goes back to what we were also saying again, is that you got to make sure you're following your procedures correctly. And if you're having issues with it, you should ask. And if no one else knows, that should be a good time to pull the stop sign. I'm like, we don't know what the fuck we're doing. We need to cease operation on this until we figure it out. And we've all got that before. Like, I don't give a shit. Just fucking make it work. Okay. If you say so. But again, that goes back again to knowing how to say like, yo, this is unsafe. This can potentially be a problem. Well, look here in the conclusion, right? So even though we've said, or the, the report's conclusion said that the results was the uh, sheer DRVT rotary crank and the uh, failure to, to turn off the boom flight control switch in a timely manner. But the last paragraph states, Additionally, I find the preponderance of the evidence that the failure of maintenance personnel to comply with technical orders prevented the possible direction or detection of an erratically performing DRVT, substantially contributing to the mishap. Yeah. So they only put the two, but in reality, they were looking at it for as, hey, look, if you guys have been actually doing your job to the correct level you're supposed to be doing you could have caught you could have caught this a month ago and and resolved it um so why was that not probably in the actual finding report because nobody got hurt yep exactly <clears throat> and and also like it's it's almost like a blanket blame like there's too many of you to point fingers at so we're just going to say all together without naming names like all of maintenance needs to take a hard look at what you guys are doing right yep it, uh, remedial training immediately Yes. I mean, I could imagine like after this event happened, like just how many KC-10 crews were like, all right, check it out. This is what we're doing. Everyone sit down. Story time. We're going to go over how this boom works, what it's supposed to look like, what the maintenance looks like, and what how do you tell if something's wrong? Well, it's probably emergency service bulletin. Hey, every KC-10 out there, you guys are going to go out and pull apart the DRVT and verify that these rotary bearings are aligned. Yeah, not about yeah. to have another one of these. That was probably that was probably an emergency service bulletin that came out pretty quick, probably, and was probably even concluded prior to the investigation completing. Now, uh, I feel like if that was the case, though, too, they would have probably talked about it in this accident report. But uh, you know, I, I don't know that for a fact. But I would imagine somebody somewhere would have went, "Yeah, we're all going to go do a one-time inspection here." 
Right. Or at least with the time they found out, like, yo, this DRVT sheared Air- alert bulletin now. Everybody look yep. at your shit. Right. Yep. And then and then ensure proper operation, right? Like they would have to like do like a, a no kidding uh ops check on this thing. It had to be signed off by whoever is your most senior inspector or like I think the Air Force calls them seven levels, right? Yeah. I would so, still think though that you would take it apart and look at that rotary coupling to verify alignment. Very true. I don't think an ops check would be su- suffice suffice enough because obviously these guys were doing at least in what the maintenance said they were doing ops checks and they were passing. So for some reason on the ground, probably without any uh you know flight uh characteristics being imposed upon it or stresses of flight being imposed upon it, it was operating. But under stresses of uh, turbulence and whatever else, you know, that and that's when it starts acting erratically. That's a that's a good point too, because especially like you were saying on an ops check for those for those mechanics, you know, like Oh, two degree offset, no fucking big deal. They can correct that in flight. And then they go in flight with all those uh turbulences and forces and acting on that boom. Those three to five degrees could easily turn into thirty-five, forty, and then next thing you know, it's you need to get self off the plane. So what seems little on the ground could be significant in the air. That's another fine point. Thanks for pointing that out, brother. <laughs> <laughs> uh final thoughts on, on this uh mishap or anything else, MVP. No, we've pretty much covered it all. Um, just again, goes goes back to even those of the manufacturing. Pay attention to what you're doing and ensure that you're doing following the appropriate uh, maintenance manual and and doing as thorough of a of a job as you can to uh, hopefully highlight any any issues prior to these uh, birds getting in the air. Absolutely, and if. Uh, let us know what you guys think about this mishap or if you guys experienced something similar to this effect where it was kind of starting as one cause and then it leads to several more. Uh, let us know in the comments and social media, email, whichever way is easiest for you. Let us know your story. And uh, if it's something that we could all share and learn, we're all for this. We're all about uh, improving ourselves and having that continuous improvement cycle. So stuff like this doesn't continue to happen. And if it's if we're possible to prevent it in altogether, more power to all of us. Again, let us know in the comments and stuff. On uh, that note, thanks again for everyone for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. We'd like to take this time to thank our patrons for supporting our show and allowing us to continue to make episodes, maintain our gear, and create merch for all of our listeners with special thanks to Erica Lamont, Chris Hawkins, Ryan Freshour. Dan Schubert, Jenny Dignan, and the ladies of the Dick Talk and Mimosas podcast. Thank you all so much for your support and patronage. Visit our shop at cancelformaintenance.com and grab some swag to show off both your support for us and your prowess as an aircraft technician. If you have ideas for the show or you'd like to be a guest on the show, visit our contact us section and send us a line. We will do what we can to get your ideas or yourself on the show. You can also follow us on social media such as on Facebook at Cancel for Maintenance, Instagram at Kanks, that's C-A-N-X for Maintenance Podcast, or on Twitter at CXMX Podcast. Check out some of our affiliates like Rockwell Time, where they make both rugged and classy watches to fit your lifestyle. Use the code CX4MX and save 10% off your purchase. Support us on Patreon. 
Our patrons get exclusive perks such as access to our Discord, discounts and early access to merch, special patron-only episodes, and so much more. Thank you again so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.